0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. We've uh, we've been pretty focused on the economy for a while. Now, yesterday we had an interesting conversation with the president and CEO of Hickman's Family Farms. They are the egg farmers that provide eggs across the state of Arizona and across the southwestern United States. Because egg prices have gone through the roof, demand has been very, very high through the holidays, and then because across the country there has been avian flu or bird flu. Um, that has affected the uh, the the flocks of of laying hens, that it is also drove down supply, which caused a huge increase in prices. So that affects everybody. I, that affects all of us in one way or another. But also there are other economic pressures, supply chain, um, covid-19 in China. Again, some of the shutdowns. So what we did was we had a conversation today with with Kristen Benz. Now, Kristen is a frequent guest on the show. And just a wealth of information. She has spent her entire career as a retail analyst and her job with some of the biggest hitters on Wall Street was advising them on what she believed the retail world was going to do based on what she saw. She was a predictor, and she is a predictor, and she is so good at it. And so we asked her to come on and kind of lend it to the average person and what we can see. So we started with a look back. We asked her about what would happen in uh, in in the spending for holidays. Was it what she expected? You know,
1: it's funny to be balking at, you know, $2.1 billion <laughs> in holiday sales so you know i thought it would be a flat lackluster holiday to me it was and as you're going to see these retail numbers pour in in the next month i will be proven right unfortunately
0: and so not a huge not a huge boom in, in holiday spending. And the reason why some of this is important is it's what happens co- moving forward. We know that Macy's is, is uh, closing down some stores. But is a lot of this just the way things go? Um, and, you know, one of the things that flies around social media, um, and if you've seen it on Facebook, it's asking, hey, date yourself by naming some stores that are no longer in existence. And it's kind of fun to go down memory lane and remember that there are some very – there are thriving chains of stores that were nationwide wide that are no longer in existence. Sometimes that's just the way that it goes. And other times it's economic times that do things. So um, it was, she also talked about not just what people spent, but how they spent. People
1: did spend. It's how they finance those expenditures that um, are really is important to me. Uh, and a lot of that was done on credit cards, unfortunately.
0: So people are putting things on credit. Now let's talk about moving forward and why this is so critical. Um, I've talked about people in credit and what people do, Um, usually. It's not everybody. Nothing is 100%. But people usually don't go into debt. In other words, they weren't going to put a vacation on a credit card. They're not going to go out and buy a newer vehicle and have a car payment if they don't feel secure in their ability to make the payments. So consumer confidence has a lot to do with going into debt and spending for a lot of people. So what we are seeing now moving forward is people that are seeing the the money and and the jobs that they are getting are going away. Is that an issue? So here is her talking about, what the average person was doing to keep their heads above water.
1: Where, you know, during the pandemic, you may have started door dashing or driving for Uber or things of that nature just to kind of supplement because you couldn't get to your regular job, right? Now, just to function, the average U.S. consumer is taking on two to three side gigs or two to three jobs just to make ends meet.
0: So that is what she said. But here's a tweet. This is from Zero Hedge, which I've alluded to quite a bit. Employment participation rose, especially in lower income sectors. The share of people with multiple jobs leapt above pre-pandemic norms. Higher prices may be changing behavior. So we are seeing people get second jobs. So here is where I see the rub, this is where I see the conflict. The conflict is with a shrinking economy, with the with the slowing of the economy because of the raising of interest rates. Now, the indicators are February 1st, we're going to see another interest rate hike. It may be smaller than the others that we've seen in the past, but they're saying that there may be another rate hike in February. Um, if we start to see this slowing down of jobs, this is where all of that debt becomes important. If people aren't able to pay off their debt if people are not able to have, to have that second or third job, whatever it is that's paying off those credit cards, are we going to see more and more people default on some of those debts? That could expedite a lot of bad things for people if that happens. Um, so talking about the recession, and we also talked with her about some of these companies that are going to end up going under.
1: The recession, you know, it's such a political term that you and I discuss all the time. Technically, I believe we're still in it. That's three consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Going forward, we're seeing all of these layoffs, and it's hard not to get, you know, a little shudder up the spine when you hear Amazon's laying off 18,000 people. Golden, like you said, 3,200. You know, all, Bed Bath & Beyond is about to go under. Carvana's not long for this world.
0: There are a lot of people that take seasonal work, you know, that places like UPS and FedEx and Amazon and other delivery companies, they hire people for the season, knowing that the holiday season is much, much busier. So people understand it's a part time job. It's a defined period of time that they are going to use that work to pay for their holiday. So we're not talking about that. What I'm talking about are the people that have an extra job or take another job, whether it's rideshare or delivery, DoorDash, whatever it is that they are using that as a source of paying their bills, a primary source of income. Yes, it's a second job. It isn't their primary job, but it is still paying their bills. And, um, I, I once got in a ride share. It was interesting. It was a really nice car, uh, a woman about my age, and uh, we were going to uh, the Open, going to uh, the, the WM Open. And um, uh she was very nice and in a very nice car older old, when i say older my age and she told us in the car the reason why she was doing rideshare was she was saving money to go on a cruise so she was taking a side hustle for a defined period of time to raise a defined amount of money so that she could go on a cruise this was extra income this was to pay for a trip and i thought that was you know interesting that somebody you know this is i'm this is how i'm going to pay for this i'm not going to put it on a credit card and pay it off over time I'm going to work for it and then just pay cash for the trip. We're not talking about that. These are people whose primary bills are being paid by a second job. So she talked about a bifurcated market. And uh, it was an interesting thing about the haves and the have nots
1: all it means is it's a two-sided market. So the bright spot is luxury. Luxury is thriving. Low-end is surviving. So that's all of your dollar stores. And if you're looking at Dollar Tree, Dollar General, in your neighborhood, they're probably popping up. They are building out as fast as they possibly can because that consumer is really trading down from you know typical middle market retail and even grocery
0: to the dollar stores. So that's more about where investors are looking and what what companies are going to stay very solid. Solid when you're going to buy in the stock market, but it also is an indicator of what people are having to do. And that is buying down and people that are looking for those deals where they have to, they not by choice. They're not going to buy certain things at the grocery store. They're going to go to the dollar store to get them. And are we seeing a shift in that? At the same time, the luxury world is going gangbusters again, the rich get richer. That is a, it is how things work. So all in all, what's happening in the American economy as it slows down, the biggest concern for me, I've said for a long time, and we'll see going into the first quarter of this year, is what happens, what happens if some of these jobs that a lot of people are counting on in order to keep their heads above water financially start to dry up? that is going to be a big concern if we don't see a drop in prices and we're talking necessities if we don't see a drop in prices fairly quickly this could be very bad for a lot of people for a lot of people coming up in a moment it's called did you hear this it's something we do every day at 11:20 to catch you up on the headlines and it happens next <laughs> strong values and strong opinions the mike broomhead show ktar news 92 3 fm and the ktar news app all right let's get you caught up on a busy news day did you hear this did you hear this broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories
2: in Governor Hobbs' state of the state address yesterday, she discussed the president's border visit to El Paso.
3: I am encouraged by the White House's recent actions to finally visit the border and to start proposing real steps to begin addressing the problems of the current system. Are you encouraged as well?
0: Um, only by that one thing that was, we had Brandon Judd on and talked about possibly making people when they get to their first safe country, when they leave their country. If you come from Venezuela, when you get to Mexico, you apply there, not allowing them to come to the U.S. to I think if they did that, that would be a step in the right direction. Other than that, I don't know what else they're going to do. This visit to Mexico. Let's see what Mexico now commits to doing on their southern border to stop people from coming in from other places and then making the trip north. They are going to have to do something about the cartels and the sophisticated system of transporting people. Are they going to interdict that and stop that from happening? That's always going to be a big question. (laughs) Retail
2: analyst Kristen Benz talked with you today about why the economy will continue to be rocky for Arizonans.
1: Here in the Valley, you know, we're at 12% inflation. The national average is only 7%. So Valley residents will particularly feel the bite of inflation um, much more than their, you know, average uh, cohort.
2: What is the best way to provide relief for Arizonans experiencing this
0: high inflation? we got to be able to keep the job market strong. We have got to keep employers in a place where they can keep employing people. We've got to do everything we can to keep money in the pockets of employees. Employers so that they can keep their people employed, because if we are going to see inflation remain high, people are going to need those jobs and second jobs in order to keep their heads above water. The best thing we can do until we start seeing relief with prices is to keep people employed. And I hope that's what happens here you're listening to Did You Hear This, we do it every day at 1120 to get you caught up on the headlines.
2: Classified documents were discovered at President Biden's office, and there are similarities and differences to the situation at Mar-a-Lago. These lawyers for Biden, they found the documents, and, and what they did with these documents was immediately notify the proper channels, so the National Archives and, and the Department of Justice. In the case of Trump, the National Archives and, and the government realized that these records were missing, and there was months of behind-the-scenes
0: negotiations to try and get these documents back.
2: How does the National Archives ensure that classified documents are properly
0: returned so this doesn't happen again? I don't know that you can. Uh, this has got to be, there has got to be a better system of when a president, or in this case, the vice president, leaves office that they are only taking things that they're allowed to have. It's. it's uh, what this shows me more than anything else is that this happens more often than not, that this was not a unique thing, that this may have been overblown in what they try to do. Did they overplay their hand in going after former President Trump? But in the end, you know, it shouldn't matter what party you're in. If you're in in breach of the law, you should be held accountable. If things need to be turned because they're classified documents for national security reasons, they need to be kept where they belong. That should be the overwhelming sentiment from all of us. It doesn't matter what party you represent.
2: The New York Democratic delegation filed a complaint today with the House Ethics Committee after Representative George Santos admitted to fabricating parts of his resume and possibly mishandling campaign finances. While Mr. Santos says he isn't worried about the investigation, Representative Torres criticized Republicans for embracing Santos.
0: Even though the Republicans promised to drain the swamp, we see the House Republican Conference refilling the swamp with the fraudulence of George Santos.
2: Are politicians learning a lesson about telling the truth to their constituents?
0: Yeah, you know, this is, uh, again, this is an embarrassing. This guy lied not just about very not not about unimportant things, about a lot of different things about who he is. And uh, and it affected the way people would vote. I, I don't know that um, you I don't know what the rules are and how you can, do you recall the guy. You can't just throw him out of Congress. But there should be a lesson learned here. Absolutely. You know, if you plagiarize, you lose your job when you're in journalism. And so what happens here should be a lesson for everybody this guy has got to know there's no way he gets a second term in office. So what happens to that seat now? Do the people behind the scenes reduce him to absolutely no committee appointments? Does he get put in some kind of censuring where he has no voting power? Who knows what they're going to do to him? But there's something's got to be done. I don't care what party you're from. It's absolutely ridiculous when you lie about who you are to get elected and then you get caught and then you act as if you didn't do anything wrong and it wasn't that big of a deal. I think it was absolutely a big deal. You lied about just about everything about who you are to get elected to an office and when you got caught you tried to downplay it it's just silly yeah a party shouldn't matter i, I again um we all have to face the music. Listen, I am certainly not infallible and I make a lot of mistakes and I've done things wrong and you've got you've to gotta face the music and, and there are times when you have to admit I really, really screwed up and when it happens to me I hope I have the courage to just say that. I screwed up and then take your punishment and uh, I hope that's what happens here. We'll do it again tomorrow. Good job, Julia, as always with Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120. Um, what I want to do uh, before we close out the hour is to... Talk a little bit more about the governor's speech yesterday, especially as it pertains to education. She talked quite about a bit about the spending cap and what needs to happen. Uh, most people understand what's happening, but the backstory also is something that's important. But also, are we going to have the ability for school districts across the state of Arizona to spend the money that was allocated for them so we can keep teachers employed and keep kids in seats? That is a huge question. So we're going to talk about that and let you hear what the governor said next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. As you heard in the news, still the big story. uh, Governor Katie Hobbs uh, laying out her agenda and her vision for the state of Arizona and what she would like the legislature to accomplish in this first year as she is governor of the state. Will they work together? How will that happen? Um, And and that's going to be there's always drama there, isn't there? There's always going to be a tough time. And we'll see how people work if this is going to be a working relationship or not. And it is going to take both sides. Um, There were some Republicans that turned their back on the speech. I'm not a big fan of those things. I am just not a big fan of turning your back or walking out, Um, especially at the very beginning of something that, you know, let's wait and see. But again, I'm not the one that was elected to the seat. So will there be some uh, consensus? Will there be some areas where the sides can sit down and say, we both see this as important. Let's move forward. Um, Um, The governor stated that education was a top issue. She also talked about the expenditure limit and aggregate expenditure limit is what the AEL and the spending cap. And I want you to hear what she said. We'll talk a little bit more about what it is.
3: Before we talk about steps we'll take to improve K-12 education going forward, we must first address the potential catastrophe that will happen in just a few months if the legislature does not act to address the archaic funding cap, officially known as the aggregate expenditure limit, by March 1st.
0: So, uh, again, as she talks about this being archaic, I agree with her 100 percent that this is absolutely archaic. It it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't take two-thirds majority, but it does because of our laws. I know I keep harping on this, but are we going to make changes in how we do business? And there are things that I like. That have been passed by proposition. Absolutely. That doesn't mean I like our propositional form of government. I think it's lazy. I think that our state legislature should be listening to their constituents and they should be bringing forward pieces of legislation that are important to their constituents. I think that's that representative republic is what we have. It's something that we should always lean on. Raw democracy and and this idea of a popularity contest doesn't work. And here's an example of something that may have. I wasn't here in the early 1980s. And for those of you that were, and maybe there are those of you that even remember when this passed, I certainly don't, um, that may have found this valuable. But in the 21st century, it is no longer helpful. It's a hindrance to us moving forward. So now let's talk about this. We have over $1 billion, close to $1.2 billion that is allocated to be spent for education in districts across the state of Arizona. If this AEL, if this is not passed, if it is not overridden by a two thirds majority in the House and the Senate, then it will um, it will stop that money from being spent. It is against the law to spend it. So which means that school districts will have a lot less money in the bank. I think it's counterproductive. I don't know of any way that it's not going to happen, to be very honest with you, um, I think it 's political suicide not to pass it it 's not new money it 's money already allocated for the education of our children. but it is going to be used as political capital and it, it's it 's always funny that when it 's your side of the aisle that 's doing it it 's seen as smart. And clever. And when it's the other side of the aisle, it's playing politics. You're going to hear that over and over again. It is what it is. Whether you like it or you dislike it, it is what it is. And there will be people that are going to ask for and probably get concessions to be a yes vote to get to that two-thirds majority. Um, I I don't think it's a good thing for Arizona that it doesn't get overridden. I think it should be overridden sooner rather than later. But there are going to be some negotiations on this. And this may be the first area in which the governor is going to show how— How she's going to deal with opponents in the state legislature, because this is going to be an issue um, that is going to be a big one for her administration. And um, moving forward, let them deal with it. They didn't have the votes to get it overridden in the previous administration, at least according to the former governor. But now, will they be able to get those votes? And she said that there is already, Representative Cook uh, is is going, has already got a piece of legislation ready to fix this.
3: Representative David Cook has already introduced a resolution to override this outdated limit. This legislature should bring it to the floor. The Democrats in both chambers are Ready to act on this immediately.
0: So they are ready to act on it immediately according to the governor, but what will the republicans do? And and so I'm anxious. I really am anxious to see how this plays out because if you're going to say, and, and she has said, and I'm taking it at her word that she wants to do this. She has said it multiple times. She said it as governor-elect. She said it on inauguration day. She said it in her speech that her door is always open for solutions. She wants to work with both sides of the aisle. But if you're going to demonize the other side of the aisle for doing things that have been done forever, I think you're going to alienate more and more people. How are you able to say people are wrong without calling people evil? That is something that we have gotten it has become too easy for us to do it has become far too easy for us to do Um, There was a school funding statement she made. I want you to hear this. Based on letter grades and based on how schools perform, um, funding happens. And and I want you to hear what she said she's going to do with funding.
3: Currently, our state government distributes additional per pupil funding based on school letter grades and assessment results. This approach has largely benefited only schools in high wealth areas of Arizona's two largest counties, Maricopa and Pima, while leaving rural and economic. Economically struggling areas behind. To address this inequity, my budget redirects the sixty-eight point six million dollars for that program to the base support level, which goes to all schools across our state instead.
0: And see, this is where there is a, the ideological shift, and, and I will. And I'm always open to it being different than I anticipate it's going to be. But when we are rewarding, when we are rewarding failure and we're not rewarding success, I think that's where the problem lies. I'm not a big fan of participation trophies. I think that kids need to learn how to lose. Kids need to learn how bad it feels to lose. I think that schools need to realize that you there is a standard. If you want this extra funding, you have to meet a certain standard. And if you meet that standard, you get the extra funding. I don't know why that's not a, a carrot that's dangled for schools to perform. And, and so that's the way it was before. Now what they're saying is the basics aren't there. I I don't know that that's the case. I will tell you that um, poor does not equal uneducated. Poor does not equal dumb. Um, It it doesn't. There are talented people that are coming from meager beginnings. We've seen it over and over and over again in our history that we can take people that are coming from a very meager place that have excelled and have done great things. What we have to stop doing is making excuses for people not to perform, whether it's students or, in this case, it's teachers in a classroom. We have got to do more to get parents involved. There's no doubt about it. We, I, I think an adult literacy program is a brilliant thing to do for people. I think that when parents, uh, we all learn lessons. I, I, you know, I learned my lesson a different way than you learned yours. But how many people out there within the sound of my voice um, went, d- d- just went the wrong direction? They either were thrown out of school or they left school or they didn't take it seriously. They didn't learn anything. And when they got older, when they started to have a family, now all of a sudden you're holding a child and you realize this child is your entire world and you're responsible for the life of this child. But You can't read, what do you do? Because reading is the key to educating yourself to become better at anything you wanna do. If we had a program for parents that doesn't shame parents, but it helps parents in order to help their children, whatever it takes in some of these neighborhoods, whatever it takes in some of these school districts to get kids interested in learning at a younger and younger age and getting them reading at grade levels so they have the tools to learn later in life is something we should attempt to do. But schools that fail can't continue to say it's a money problem and can't continue to give excuses. They have got to find a way. They have to find a way to meet the grade. And that's something we haven't done. We haven't said to people, you have a standard. Now meet the standard. It is sink or swim. And I think we're, we're, we're doing our kids a disservice. we got a few more things the governor said before we close it out. We'll wrap them up next. values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And hey, thanks for being here. The elections are over. The officers are the uh, candidates have taken office. We now have the statewide offices are set in place and people go to work. We're going to have conversations with a lot of these statewide um, uh, office holders. We're going to talk to as many of them as we can. Education has been a big focus for me and it will continue to be as I, I think that most people now have become more concerned about education than ever before after seeing what happened with online learning. I am not someone that wants to throw everybody under the bus. I'll be very honest with you. I've had my differences with Red for Red. I've had my differences with the AEA, AEU, but I have said very sincerely, I would love to have anybody on from that organization, either organization, to talk about things. I've had the people from Save Our Schools on, and we disagree vehemently on a lot of different things, but that doesn't mean I think they're bad people. I disagree with them. We both have the same goals, which is excellent education. Education in the state of Arizona, an education system in the state of Arizona that we all can be proud of, that we know that our children are getting a basic education. Um, and I've talked about this so often, and it's so weird, I think because sometimes the things that are least important to you, when you realize their importance, they become a passion for you. I was a terrible student in high school. Anybody that knew me ages 14 to 18 in those years that would hear me now talk about education that really knew me then would laugh at the hypocrisy of the things I'm saying. And there's no doubt that it is hypocritical. I didn't know any better. I wanted to grow up, I didn't take education seriously, and I just wanted to work. Thank God I had the basic skills of learning. Thank God I had teachers at an early age that understood that having the the ability to read and comprehend and the ability to do simple math and the building blocks that come on top of that was so important for me. And, you know, I've had two careers in my life, one in construction as I was an electrician, and electrical contractor, and this in radio. One was very reading intensive. That's this job. But the other one was reading intensive, but it also was math intensive because every calculation that an electrician does is algebraic or geometrical. It's either geometry or it's algebra. And I learned my lesson and was thankful later on that I wasn't so hard headed as a young person, As a, when I say young, I mean a preteen, that I got a good solid foundational education because it gave me the ability to learn when I took learning seriously. What we have done in Arizona is we have politicized education and I say we, all of us are responsible for this. All of us are responsible for this. We have politicized education to the point That it is no longer become about educating kids in the basics. It's about our side winning. I don't want to demonize demonize somebody else's idea of a curriculum. But I want to prioritize. I think it's a fair thing to say how does that take priority either equal to or above something like this. I think we all can agree that if our children cannot read or they cannot perform basic math skills at grade level, then nothing else is more important. There are basics in the STEM, there are basics in in the core curriculum that all of our kids should be tested on and should be made sure they're proficient in. Uh, We talk about reading at a third grade level. The old adage in teaching is that up until third grade, you learn to read. After third grade, you read to learn. Now, imagine when we have more than 50 percent of the kids in the state of Arizona that are not reading a grade level in third grade, what that is doing to their future for educating them. Because there are going to be some kids that want to go on to college and higher education and postgraduate work, and they're going to try and they're going to do that. There will be some kids that go into the workforce, and when it becomes apparent to them that some level of education is necessary, whether it's going through a trade school, whether it's going through some kind of a certification program, they're going to have to lean back on their ability to learn in order to get through those programs. And if they're not equipped, shame on us. That's the difference. That's why this is such a big issue. So the governor is talking about educators and teachers and... I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying that's going to be her focus. But we also have to understand that the system is failing, that right now we are failing in this system. So what are we going to be committed to doing? It's not just throwing money at the problem. What are we going to do to ensure that our children are equipped to lead in the next generation? That should be the focus for everyone, I think. Just about out of time, which means it's time for me to tell you how to keep in touch. At Broomhead, KTAR is how you find me on Twitter. At Broomhead Show is how you follow to find out about guests and otherwise on the show. That's our show account, so follow both of those on Twitter. And I'm Mike Broomhead, all one word, on Instagram. Would love for you to follow me on Instagram. Let's stay in touch between shows. Always down for a good conversation. We'll be back tomorrow morning starting at about uh, 8 a.m. Until then, have a great day, everyone. See you tomorrow. God bless
1: we we'll